introduce him. We should probably... Good evening, and welcome to the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Not much, man. How are you doing? probably do what? <laughs> yeah. This is an organized effort. This, this will just be our quick intro. We wanted to say thank you to our sponsors from Mossy Creek Fly Fishing. Absolutely. Um, go visit the boys at the shop. Spring is right around the corner. It is trout fishing season. Book your guides. Get all of your gear. Go visit our boys. Tell them we sent you. Um, and then Todd, very special guest tonight. Do you want to announce it? Yeah, we are really delighted to have Ryan Nanny from the Shutdown Fullcast with at us tonight. Celebrity Hot Tub. On at Twitter. Celebrity Hot Tub. Um, for those of you like us that are way too online about college football or, or have been at any point in the last, I don't know, 15 years, you'll know this guest and this podcast. Um, the internet's we, only college football podcast. Correct. The internet's only. Yes. Um, I, I don't know. What what do we can't? We're not, we're not a college football podcast. We're a JMU podcast. We're just nonsense. No. Yeah. No. We're a Duke's podcast. So we're thrilled. Ryan's been doing this project this year. He'll tell you more about it. Um, as we get into it, but it was really fun to have him and we really appreciate the time. It, it, it means a lot to us. And I have a feeling it means a lot to all the shows he's been appearing on this year. Um, just because it's really fun and it, it's humanizing in, I don't know, it's a little inspiring for us too, Rob, right? Oh, absolutely. He's got kind a cool of story. Like, yeah, yeah. So really cool. Really glad to have him. Um, and then the only other thing we wanted to say tonight is I am planning to be in attendance with a small group at the softball game on Saturday against Louisiana. This is an enormous series. Rob, I don't know if you've followed the last couple of days, but I did think it's funny. I think Louisiana is a little bit shook about this. Well, they got a lot on the line. Don't they have a, they got a, they have a 75 a, series series, Sunbelt series street. Yeah. It's but pretty they've intense. never talked about it. Like we follow a few Louisiana accounts and like, obviously it was a big deal. I assume it was a record at like 60. I mean, yeah, I have no well, idea, but they've had all impressive. the time in the world to like talk about how many straight series they've won. But all of a sudden after they won this weekend, they posted all, like a lot of their accounts started posting all this stuff. And I did think like, they're going to JMU this weekend. Like they know, like if they don't post this, they might not get to post it. Now, look, we don't know. They're a great program. Um, they've been borderline top 25 all year. You know, this is a huge step up in competition for the Dukes who want, who swept Georgia Southern this weekend, but that was... Georgia Southern is not the Cajuns, uh, but this is really fun. And hopefully the weather will really, fingers crossed that the weather allows uh, the softball team, the red hot softball team, by the way, uh, um, have won a number in a row. Just, the bats have just completely woken up from the young players. So really excited for this weekend and, and uh, hope to see some of you all out there. I know the players have been tweeting They uh, this week. They've obviously been like starting to, they, they're saying like packed Veterans Memorial Park. It's a good weekend for it. Baseball's right after the softball game. There's baseball games all weekend. Uh, and lacrosse is home again, too. So that's all I got, Rob. You? No, let's on with the show. On with the show. Uh, welcome, Ryan. And uh, looking forward to talking to you next week, Rob. Yep. Right. Have a good week, everybody. Go Dukes. And welcome back to the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Not a lot, man. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, we're not here for us tonight because we are so excited to have a very special featured guest tonight. Um, there is This man needs no introduction except to say that um, his show and the work he's done over the years have been a, I don't know, a, a spiritual forefather of ours, <laughs> for better or worse. And uh, it's the Bloomin' Onion himself. 
uh, fellow <laughs> recovering lawyer, uh, Ryan Nanny from the Shutdown Forecast. Welcome, Ryan. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, so far, everything you've said is legally true, and I have to live with that. <laughs> yes, That's the standard we aim for. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's all we do. Yeah. Oh, Ryan, welcome. Um, I don't know what number this is. You're doing this uh, wonderful project this year, and it's really cool for a show like us uh, who's been, you know, I don't know. What have we been doing, Rob? Toiling away in the small, like the tiniest corner of the internet? The, the, tini- JMU, the tiniest. The, the yeah. JMU fan base. <laughs> yes. Since 2009. Doing this crap. Yeah. Uh, in some version or another. Uh, Ryan, we wanted to ask you first, just the first thing. Like, you do all kinds of things. You've been doing the pod for a long time. Um, you've done some writing, some video. I know you used to have another job. Um, but what's your favorite thing you're doing right now? Um, I think... I think podcast, I mean, I'll say this seems like a cheat since this is what we're doing. The podcasting is, I think, the uh, the simple carbohydrate of, of work where it's just like you just hop on, you have a nice time. It's like a pretty unstructured conversation. Like there's some prep work that goes into it, but, you know, it's it's mostly freewheeling. Video is a lot of fun as well, but. It is just an, at least the the work that I've done in that medium, it's just an entirely different beast. It's more, <laughs> it is more like your uh, slow cooked protein, where it's like at the end, you're like, this is great. And I'm really glad I put the time and effort into this. But like podcasting, that's like, oh, buddy, we got Ritz crackers in the pantry. Let's just <laughs> eat a whole sleeve. With pimento cheese. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Oh, well, it. can we just take a step back just real quick? Like, mm-hmm. Todd, you kind of glossed over it, right? Can you kind of explain what you're doing? The, the reason why we were able to get you on our podcast is you've kind of opened up the gates and said, I'll go on anybody's podcast. Correct. And by evidence of the fact that you were here with us tonight, you are certainly li- living up to that. What did yes. you, how did you come up with that and, and how has it been going? Um, so like many of my, uh, quote unquote ideas, uh, one day I just said, you know, what's fun is going on podcasts. And so why don't I try to do that as much as I can in 2023? So I sent a tweet out that basically like, Hey, this is my, this is my goal for this, this upcoming year. Um, and I'll go on pretty much anybody's podcast. Like I don't have to be an expert. I don't have to, you know. Like know what I'm talking about. I've been on multiple <laughs> hockey podcasts and I know absolutely nothing about like a very, very small amount about hockey. Um, and it's just been a lot of fun. Like I, I have done all kinds of different topics and shows and audiences and they're all just a lot of fun to do because like everybody's been very welcoming and um, everybody's very understanding when as advertised, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> How many of the uh, invitations came late at night after uh, maybe a couple of typos after a few adult beverages like ours it's went good, out to you? It's a, it's a fair mix. It's yeah. A, yeah, there's that's definitely in there. I, what I choose to believe is that those are invitations from people who have serious and important daytime employment, yes. and they couldn't get to the email until late at night. And, yeah, and then, I don't judge them for that. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's ex- so. that's actually right. Thank you for that. Yeah. You're welcome. That's like I, I, yeah. Uh, that's really great. Um, Ryan, okay, let's do an easy one first. And w- this is in your wheelhouse a little okay. bit. 12-team playoff yeah, coming allegedly um, at some point in the future. Uh, we're obviously fans of a brand new, brand, I mean, fresh off the presses, FBS. You know, the last guy off the boat here. 
um, program in the Sun Belt. Uh, but is the 12 team playoff a good thing or a bad thing? Well, let, let me let me yeah. take the opportunity to flip it and pick <laughs> your collective brains because you bring up and I think an interesting point. <laughs> FBS fans talk about the playoff like it is the first time this has ever existed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And like, there's, it's not just FCS, obviously. There's, right. there's multiple divisions where bigger, longer playoffs have existed for a long time. Right. And I'm curious, as JMU fans, mm-hmm. like, what was your, how did you feel about the FCS version of the playoff? What were, what was sort of like <laughs> the collective feeling about it as, as a, as both like an entertainment product and as a way to decide a season? Mm-hmm. Ooh, well, uh, yeah, you can go ahead, Rob. Yeah. We were incredibly jaded, you know, okay. as FCS kind of was watered down. I think we can say that, can't we, Todd? You know, when we you lose the, the App State, it you lose the Georgia State. Sure, sure. It, yeah. it, and JMU, it just, it got to the point where every single game for the fan base was a referendum on how are we going to stack up against North Dakota State in the Dome. Right, right. So like, it just, it, it kind of lost its fun. And then even the playoff games, they're very last minute. You don't know who you're playing. It's going to get, so they're poorly attended. And by the end, it was always fun, like going to Frisco. Todd and I made trips to the championship and yep. tons of fun. There were some epic games against North Dakota State. There's some good ones against schools like Villanova, like yep. schools that yep. you don't think about, but a lot of really, really memorable games. But for me, it had rendered the regular season almost meaningless the last four or five years. Interesting. And, and it was weird because like Todd and I tried to make a point and we did it every week on the podcast. We're like, we're not going to look forward. Let's just try to enjoy Saturday for Saturday's sake. But we've always said the thing that had us excited about the Sun Belt is like we're way more pumped up on a yeah. random Saturday in October on a week to week basis. Yeah, to play ODU yeah, yeah, and then App yeah, State yeah. and like yeah. those wins matter. And particularly now with like ODU and Coastal already is becoming a favorite team to hate for our fan base. Like just having kind of bragging rights in that sense is a lot of fun. Whereas bragging rights over you know William and Mary, it's like great. You might work mm-hmm. with some people familiar. They certainly didn't watch the game. They're not going to know the score. You know, they're going to come back with some sort of academic argument. It right. just it wasn't that fun. So, like playoffs in general, I, I think are really good if it's an open field. And I imagine it could be something similar, maybe like a Georgia or a yeah, they're going to hate it. They might have that same problem. It's like it all comes down to that. Yeah. For the G five, I think it's still just building, and it, it, that's kind of the brass ring. Sure, I think yeah. that's fair. Yeah, we were we were excited. Like we had gone to the point where a lot of our fans wanted to stay in FCS because the playoff was so fun. But like Rob said, the games were in December. Like it was week after week in December. Yep. Yep. Try telling your wife and kids like, oh, <laughs> next gotta skip week. the Christmas party. Sure, right? because we're playing Towson this week. Right. <laughs> you know, right, like right. it's a and really obviously like game. from from like a collegiate ex- uh, place. It's like yeah, kids, students may not even be in in academic session anymore. So like, yes, who's coming right. to this? Yeah, right. Um, where now it's like, I mean, we didn't care. We, I mean, we wanted to move to FBS regardless because we want to play Georgia Southern again, but we didn't really care about now. It's just a bonus mm-hmm. that someone from the Sun Belt, like, you know, who knows if it'll be JMU, but it, it seems like in the next, I don't know, five to 10 years, someone from the Sun Belt will probably make the playoff at some point and, right. get, and get to play at, you know, insert whatever Florida State. Penn State, Penn whatever State. It is. Right, yeah, yeah. right. You right. know, in, in the game, that really will be like one of the more meaningful things for our program, you know, and for fans. So. Yeah, 
yeah, I mean, yeah. um, okay. So now that I've copped out of yeah, it, yeah, the other part of that was, yeah, 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 does March Madness? We were talking about this basketball tournament right now, where there's been a lot, you know, the Final Four is not, it's not, it's not representing, it's not as the interests of, they, the, of the yes, power right, two conferences, right? right. right? <laughs> um, and we were kind of wondering, like, are they, you know. Is this going to force people to reconsider the twelve-team playoff? Like, I don't know. I mean, um, I think, yeah, I th- so, so I think like the the value of the twelve-team playoff mm-hmm. is very nakedly television money. Like I've said this on For other sure. podcasts before. This is the first time in FBS that there's been a change to how the championship is decided that was not like framed in terms of we want to expand the opportunity we think you know we're not settling in on the field like that's the history of this the idea of like for decades one didn't play two that's how you got the bcs and then for a while it was like well what happens when there are more than two teams who we think should get a shot that's how you get the four-team playoff the expansion to 12 like there is no point at which people say oh you know what this was a year where 12 teams really had like, no, like no, we don't right. even, yeah. most years we don't even get to four. Yeah, Maybe right. some years you can say like, oh, there were like five or six teams that really could have been interesting. But even then you're sort of like, yeah, probably was Bama or Georgia or something like that. Right. Um, so I think if you approach it from, if you sort of acknowledge it for what it is and say, this is, this is supposed to be better television. I think there's a chance it will be fine. Like, TCU Michigan is a good example of like what this could be. Um, Tulane beating USC in a bowl game is a good example of what this could be. Mm -hmm. That said, the flip side is there are going to be clunkers, but there are clunkers. Like this March Madness is a bad example. Like most March Madnesses have upsets (laughs) and have clunkers. It's just, I mean, shoot, you know, uh, Gonzaga, UConn, that was a clunker technically, Mm -hmm. but um, but we're all okay with it because it all sort of like balances out in the wash. Um, I think I am curious and I think people have a lot of different feelings about this. Um, Rob, your first point about what it ha- what it does to the regular season. I don't think anybody has any clue how that's going to work out. Like, yeah. and I think it's going to vary wildly uh, program to program and maybe conference to conference because there mm-hmm. are, you know, I don't know. I'll pick, you know, if you're Illinois, if you're Illinois, like you want to have a good season and you want to beat your rivals and you want, you know, you want to beat Ohio state and claim the Illibuck and whatever. And you want that regardless of if it gets you in the playoff or not. It's nice if it does, but like there is a part, there is an existence uh, throughout big parts of FBS where the regular season is really what you shouldn't do focus on because everything else is sort of like way out here in the ether. But there's there there's always going to be more people who think, oh, this is a championship program. If only we can do these things. And as you expand the playoff, more schools are going to feel that way. And it, I am curious if that does sort of do the thing you're talking about where special seasons that don't lead to mm-hmm. a playoff appearance don't mean as much or aren't celebrated in the same way. That would suck. And I think it's entirely possible that that's what we get to. Yeah. It, it, it's so weird because we're thinking of it for the one potential, whatever the future of the G5 is, right? 
we're thinking of it through this one slot that seems like what are the I think the technical way they're saying it is the top six champs right now. Yes, the top right. the top and, six conference champs. Right. Basically, I don't. Yeah, and so they, for yeah, like in right. the Sun Belt last year, that would have been like Troy. Yep, going to the end, and their fans like they had a great season, right? But they also would have been excited to like argue with Tulane fans all sure. the way through the year. Yes, but that's right. kind of like a that one birth is the anomaly. Yeah, I right. mean, I, yeah, like Alabama would have been five, and they would have clearly been in the playoff and not had to worry about like whether they made the SEC championship, or right? Not. Right, you know, and it just right. wouldn't have mattered at all. Right, the last three games of the year or something. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Who knows? It's going to be interesting because I think it is that point. Like, you don't want to have somebody have the best season in school history and have it be like an asterisk. Like, oh no, because Tulane got that bid and Troy didn't. Yeah, so, I don't know. It's also it's. I would like to think that most G5 fans, it's not really, they're not delusional to the point where they think they're they're going to win the whole thing. But it's like, can you thread the needle and at least get one of those TV appearances is mm-hmm. what it comes down to. Like, mm-hmm. can you get the prime time, the big exposure and, and do that and just take it all in for fun? Um, yeah. This is kind of like what Boise State was. Like, yeah. we look back on it now and it's like, oh, it sucks that Boise State didn't get to play for national championship. And while that is true, we still got to see Boise State beat Oklahoma. Yeah. The Statue, of Liberty. Statue of Liberty. That still ruled. <laughs> that was still awesome. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. And Rob, I do want to see you like paint your chest on TV and talk to <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> like, standard. That's what it's. I mean, that's and that's what the people want. That's, that's really right. driving the TV. That's many are saying that's why they expanded the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Exactly I mean, right. Dick Ebersole called me. Speaking of March Madness, and yeah. Ryan, this is something Todd and I were talking about last week, and maybe it's just us, but like college football, and I think certainly the college football Twitter that we're a part of, which I think is people like you gets the joke mm-hmm. college basketball twitter decidedly does not get the joke like it's yeah. like the most sanctimonious episode of the paul feinbaum show or something like this it's just this sneering like they don't want any opinions from from college football people and it's this weird purity of it like what is it it's such a crazy game and i think what everybody loves about it is tournaments like this one like what is the difference between kind of the heart of college football twitter and college basketball twitter or todd and i crazy and it's all the same no, I think you're probably right. Like there are some points of overlap, but I, I will say this in defense of college basketball Twitter, which I only sort of like tangentially interact with and get, I think their gripes are legit. Like the way I I understand that it's very frustrating that basically ESPN gobbled up all the regular season inventory. If you want to watch college basketball during mm-hmm. the regular season, like maybe yeah, it's on a, like a conference network or whatever, but ESPN don't like, is the rights holder. They dominate it by and large. Mm -hmm. And they just don't do dick with it. Like they, they give it no sort of like meaningful press. They don't like put that much effort into uh, the presentation of it from a production standpoint. Like I understand if you are a huge college basketball hoops head and you are like, I am, I am being shortchanged for much of the year, especially because then you get to the tournament where ESPN does isn't the rights holder and where Turner has to sort of like really make it count. And I think they do such a demonstrably better job that I understand why they're like kind of prickly when it Mm -hmm. gets to that point, because there is this sense of like, we have had to, you all get to come at dessert. You all get to show up and like have the ice cream sundae. And we have had to Mm -hmm. swallow the gruel 
that ESPN has made us for the first five courses for months, and and we're having a bad time about it. Like, I get why they're cranky about it, frankly. It is funny. That's really interesting that you put it, because, like, I feel like growing up, I was a huge college hoops head, and I was used to, like, the Jefferson Pilot Game of the Week and all that. But I think the less inventory, but more people tuned in, now it's so easy, like, for me and Todd, just... ESPN plus you just watch your own team and you can yes. kind of ignore the landscape and it isn't brought to the forefront of your attention. Like you mentioned, like, right. I, they try with that game day show. It's just not the same indoors. No, no, no. no. I don't turn that on. Whereas like my kids, I, I've got a 13 year old and a 15 year old and the 13 year old from the time he was like nine years old. It's Saturday morning. Where's game day? Turn it on. He loves basketball. I don't think he's ever watched that basketball version. Right, right, you know? right. And like, it's, I think it's just a product of, for big stretches of the regular basketball season, ESPN is worried about college football, professional football, and the NBA. And it's mm-hmm. like, from a, from a business perspective, I get why they're like, these are the eggs into which, uh, the baskets rather, into which we will put our eggs. Right. But like, if you do care about college basketball, it sucks what you have seen television do to your sport over the last, I don't know, 15 years or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also that, that the would... tournament itself is so exciting that it does mm-hmm. overpower the regular season in ways we just yes. speculated it might happen yes. in the college football playoff. Yes. Oh, yes. Wait till it gets to 96 teams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. Uh, uh, um, Ryan, one thing we wanted to ask you about was how did you end up doing this? Whatever God. it is that you do. Yeah, now, right? yeah, that's a great... Like, how did yeah. you meet all these people and how did you end up like changing? Because I, if I understand correctly, you were a lawyer at one point. Or Correct. still are. I don't mean to. Well, so <laughs> we can we can get there. We can yeah. get there. Um, all right. So I was a lawyer in New York for six years. I did four years of uh, private practice. And then the last two years, I worked for the city of New York. And that mm-hmm. comes into play later on here. Um during that time, I uh, spent uh, several years as a commenter on Spencer Hall's former site, Every Day Should Be Saturday, just right. sort of having a good time, wasting time at work, you know, being mm-hmm. an irresponsible professional, the way <laughs> professionals are. Yes. Lawyers mostly, not doctors as much, <laughs> I assume. Um that turned into uh, when Holly Anderson left EDSBS to go to, I think, Yahoo, maybe Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, that turned into, hey, if you would ever like to write something for us just for fun, you're welcome to do so. <laughs> that turned into, hey, we like all this silliness that you've written for us so far. We'd like to like put you on a little bit of a part-time contract and do that a little bit more regularly. And this was still on the side of being a lawyer. And I did that for maybe like two or three years. And then when I was at the city, uh, we had a new mayor for the first time in nine years. This was at the end of the Bloomberg administration. Mm -hmm. And what I learned was if you work uh, for most city departments and there's a, a change of mayor, it kind of trickles down from there. Like I knew our, you know, I knew like the head of the department was going to leave, but like her lieutenants left, my bosses left. And so at one point I was just sort of like, okay, I can wait and see if the new people like me and what they like want to have me do. Or I had an offer to go write full time Mm -hmm. about college football from Vox. And I was sort of like, "Eh, this kind of feels like a good opportunity to make this jump if I'm going to. And I did. And to answer your other question, I am no longer a practicing attorney 
uh, I will. I I gave up my my bard status okay. mostly, as you put in the email, yeah. so I didn't have to take continuing legal education That's anymore. Right. Yes, yeah. yes. I, I'm in two states, and I gave up one because I was having to do CLE. It's twice. just a lot. Yeah. It's <laughs> just a lot. Yeah, it's so uh, it's a mess. Uh, well, thanks for answering that one. Yeah, sure. Yeah. What was it's it like? Not, as, it's as not a, a professional path I would advise anyone else to follow. For <laughs> yeah, that's not one the guidance counselor uh, yes, lays out yes. for you. Yes. Sorry, Rob. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No. Um, what was it like? I mean, if you're a big college football guy, New York City, not a huge college football town. Um, did you get sucked into any of the pro sports? Because like Todd and I grew up in the DMV, you know, yeah. suburbs yeah, of DC. Favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spencer's favorite. He so much love for our hometown. <laughs> um, but like everything was the NFC East. You know, yeah, pro yeah, football yeah. was king. I moved down to Atlanta for grad school, and I remember I've told Todd this story a million times, but I didn't know anybody there, so I was like, anybody might be doing anything. I'll I'll do it. I got to make friends. Mm-hmm. And the first weekend, a bunch of people were like, hey, you want to get together, meet at a bar, and watch football this weekend? And I was like, absolutely. What time are we meet in Sunday? And they looked at me like I had six heads. Right, right. And they're like, no, right. Saturday. And it's like, right. I had casually followed college football, you know, the whatever, Keith Jackson and the big games, but I wasn't really into it. And then I just kind of was like, in Atlanta, you're just, it's all around you. And right. I right. really became obsessed with it. But did you have any sort of similar experience with the NFL or were you just, I feel like the crossover doesn't happen the other way a lot. So I think, I think what makes it tricky in New York is that New York is very much still a place where people come to from other places. Like I met and I'm friends with people who are like natives of New York and like commuter New Jersey and Mm -hmm. they have their, like, this is how you become a Knicks fan or this is how you become, you know, like a Jets fan. Nobody is like, Hey, I'm 33 and you know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to start being a Jets fan. This is a good choice for me. So, so I, I know that segment, but by and large, like thinking back to people I met, I went to New York for law school and the people I met either there or professionally or socially afterwards, it's mostly people who weren't from New York originally. And so as a result, it's actually a very, I, I would say, it's a very good place to be a college football fan if you have like a fan base already that you are a part of. There like are a tribe. lot of, yeah. yes, there are a lot of alumni bars. Florida yeah. at the time had like three, I think. Uh-huh. And so like there is a very good social scene where you can go and sort of do the home away from home thing. Uh, for what the the best thing is that I don't even know what it looks like now, but you get all these weird sort of combinations of what I'll call like oh. not necessarily smaller but more particular fan bases. So you'll be like, oh, that bar is a uh, Kansas State and an Arizona bar at yeah. the same time. Yeah. And it's like that doesn't make any sense, but that sounds fun. Yeah. Um, to the extent that I fell in with New York pro sports, it fell into two categories. Oh. One. I, to the extent I appreciated the Nets moving to Brooklyn, because that's a thing that happened. I saw the Nets play when they lived yeah. more in New Jersey, and that oh, well. was a weird experience. Um, Montel <laughs> Jordan did the halftime show. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Yeah. Um, but um, when they moved to Brooklyn, that became, because they weren't good for a while, that became a very uh, cheap and accessible ticket to watch other teams play. So like, okay. if you were like, oh... I would love to see, you know, like the Kevin Durant Thunder. Right. Mm-hmm. There you know they're going to come play in in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and the tickets are are going to be manageable. It's certainly going to be cheaper than go watching them play the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. Okay. Um the other thing I did for I tried this on for I don't know, 
four or five years. I was a Mets fan in New York. <laughs> You're speaking oh, Rob's language sorry. here. And yeah, I've been cursed with that my whole life. Um, I have not, and I have left it behind. I think yeah. I should let you know, in fairness. Yeah. But at the time, I was like, okay, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna adopt a New York team, I'm not gonna adopt the Yankees. Yeah. That's just like a terrible yeah, you can't human move. Right. Um, but like the Mets are. They're, they're, challenge. Pluck, they're, they're challenge. plucky. They're plucky yeah. in their well, own way. Yeah. And transparently, I was also like, this is not going to interfere with football season. Yeah. Oh, that's like, true. This is the good. This is like your uh, camp girlfriend. It's yeah. like, this is for summer. It's this a Memorial Day to Labor Day sort of Yes, thing. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I got, I've been to, I have been to Shea Stadium. Well, may may it know. rest in peace. Yeah. It was just as crummy as everybody said it was. It, it really was. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, right. my old man's from Queens, so I was raised yeah, a Mets fan. Yeah, um, yeah, And now I'm raising my sons as Mets fans, and I, it's it could listen. It builds character. The there most have likely been, there have been have... worse times to be a Mets fan. Oh no, this is great. But like, you know? even even my 13 year old kid is just like when Diaz got hurt, he's like, yeah, yes, well, it. it's the Mets. You yeah, know? yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. happens. This yes, is what we do. Yes, We're never gonna yes, win. Yes, star <laughs> reliever gets hurt celebrating at the World Baseball Classic. Yes. Yeah. As classic so, Mets as there is. Yeah. This is, I mean, that's one of the happier ways that a Mets season's been derailed. Yeah, I, mean, but, I mean, at least it gives us time to process before opening yes, day. Exactly. I'm, like, I'm almost compartmentalizing. Like, I've, I've lived through that trauma already and that's I'm moving right. on, waiting for the next one. That's right. <laughs> well, Ryan, we got to ask you uh, a JMU slash Sunbelt question here. Um, you, we, are, we were very happy to hear you drafted JMU in yes. the. Uh, I don't even remember what the draft was recently, <laughs> but yeah. Commission realigning. Was it the ACC or I it was, I think, yeah. I don't know if we technically had conferences that we were responsible for. If we, if we yeah. just had our own conferences, that's, yeah. that's how well organized yeah. the game was. Yeah. But do you have any early perceptions? I'm, I'm assuming, I, I don't know, but we're assuming you didn't have any like serious JMU connections before they suddenly materialized in FBS and, and our, um, you know, I don't know. We could be loud and squeaky online, I guess. So like... weird, a weird thing about JMU. <laughs> yeah. And I, I honestly don't think this is true about any other like school of JMU's size or notoriety or whatever. Mm-hmm. You, if you sit down and you didn't, you didn't go there and you don't have any connections there. Like I can sit down and be like, why do I know like seven people who went to JMU? And I was telling my wife was. Well, you worked at Vox, so (laughs) I mean that's part of it. Yes, but my uh, my I was telling my wife she was asking like, what show are you going to do tonight? And I told her it was this one, and she was like, weird. I know like three people who went to JMU, and they're none of the people I know. Mm -hmm. Like JMU grads are like very sneaky termites who are just sort of like. (laughs) getting into everything they're like pe- place it i can't explain it like well, it's we're also just... like vegans where people will tell you they went to jamie right up front <laughs> in that sense so yeah we want to get it out there yeah. yeah um so i guess i don't have any like strong feelings about jamu as a fan base either i will say this i appreciate that to your point like JMU fans announce it loudly. Yes. <laughs> there is, there is, n- I get no sense that anybody's just sort of like a real casual about it. No, They're just no. sort of like, yes, here I am yeah. uh, here. I, this is who I've always been. Yeah. Um, and I think as far as like my impressions of JMU football so far, mm-hmm. I appreciate, and I think this is true of 
App State and Georgia Southern as well. Like, I am really delighted that, by and large, the FCS to FBS pipeline has been so successful and been so fun. Like, I, 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 I... I think this is something that if he just looked at it on paper and was like, how's this going to go? It would have been like to have doubt about it would have been fine. But the fact that you sort of successfully translated what worked, I like that it sort of reinforces that football success is football success. And the level at which it happens is not necessarily as crucial as the powers that be want it to, to seem. And I think like, the fact that you are not seeing teams make these moves and be like, okay, now we're going one eleven. Okay, now we're going one eleven again. Like yeah, right. they're competitive football teams, right? Because they're well run, and yeah. it's just like I think that's good for the sport, and I think it's especially good for the Sun Belt, frankly. Yeah, that's what we we're going to ask. Like, what was what? What were you thinking about the Sun Belt? I mean, we could say this when JMU moved up. We've always said all we wanted to do was play Marshall, App State, and Old Dominion. We didn't really care what level it was at right, or what right. conference or what was at the end of the season. Like We just want to play those teams again. Yeah, we want to drive drivable road games where you knew both teams were going to bring fans, which is right. not something we had in FCS. You know? Right, yeah. I mean, so in a weird way, I think the Sun Belt sort of stands out from yeah. uh, maybe not all other conferences, but a lot of them at this point of sort of saying, okay, well, rather than – I don't know, trying to go see if we can coax an American team right. to to join up or say like, uh, you know, UConn, what are you doing? Would you like to be a part of this? <laughs> right. um, I, I appreciate that there is some sense of like geography, um, in some cases history and sort of important like <laughs> rivalry to it. And it's not about I think there is something valuable to sort of saying, like, we want to build a football conference that is fun for people who care about the conference internally, even if it is potentially less shiny or valuable or attention grabbing to the college football nation as a whole. Because frankly, I think when you chase the second thing, it's almost impossible to achieve. Like the American, I'll give the American this. They survived and thrived a lot more successfully than I thought they would have after the effective dissolution of Big East football. Yeah. Right. But like the second. Yeah. What are they going to do now? The second that the big 12 slots came open, it's like, cool. (laughs) There Mm -hmm. go Cincinnati and UCF who were like the standard bearers of this thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. (laughs) Yeah. And like. If Tulane gets an offer from, I don't know, the ACC or the SEC, like they're going to go too. And I don't, I, I, I think that what the Sunbelt has done is both more interesting and probably more internally rewarding than what a lot of conferences are trying to do right now. Yeah. yeah and I don't want to make this out like it's this pure thing, but it, it, it seemed a little more pragmatic. Sure. Like they had the benefit of seeing everybody else chase markets and everything the last 10 years and just decided like, Maybe that ain't going to work. We're not going to get this massive deal. Can we just create a product that gets people excited? Right. And all the schools seem to care, which right. is nice. Like every week you're playing against people that care. And and it also is really neat, like unique situation where Jamie played App State for the first time this year. And, you know, you know we're the time. new kids on the block. But even the App State fans came in with some degree of respect based on the history from 10, 15 years ago when they were right. kind of big right. rivals. So it was just, it was I'd like to say it was all planning, but I do think they kind of also caught lightning in a bottle with just things 
fallen into favor. And yeah, I, I think that's 100% true. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Oh, that's good. Well, we got to ask you one guest question. Um, we have a friend of our show who, who couple for, we didn't want to tell everybody you were coming on in case it didn't work out. But, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, we did get we did ask a couple of close friends. And, and the one that made me laugh because I, I agreed with him was, when are we getting another full cast disaster episode? And which is your favorite of the disaster episodes so far? And of course, why is it the maritime disaster episode? <laughs> um, the maritime disaster episode is quite good. Yes. Uh, the lake, I mean, Lake Lanier provides in right. so many ways. Well, jet skiing um, to England or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's just, yeah. Um, I will say, I don't think that's my favorite. I think okay. my favorite, uh, I don't know that I have one in particular, but I like ones that uh, have a broad degree of interpretation. So like uh, dad disasters is a really good one because some people take that prompt and they're like, this is a disaster I experienced as a father. Some people take it as this is something that my father did that I thought was silly. Some people were just like, this is something I saw another dad do. Like it sort of has, uh, I like that. It sort of is a little bit of um, a kaleidoscope that people can, can come at it through different ways. When are we getting the next one? That's a great question. Um, If, if, if I would love to tell you that there is some sort of like full cast programming calendar and I can look at it right now (laughs) and tell you, and the truth is it will come if, and when Holly most likely sends a chat, a text to the group chat and is like, what if we do X disasters? And we'll okay. say, okay, that's what we'll do. So, um, I guess the answer is whenever Holly, whenever. like so many things, it's whenever Holly feels like, I feel that's what I was going to say. I feel like the hot take here is that you guys always joke about Spencer being ungovernable. I yeah. didn't say that word right, but I feel like Holly is the least governable actually. Right. Um, no, <laughs> Am I wrong there? I don't know. She's going to hurt us if we say that. So okay, first of all, right. I'm not going to I'm not going to yeah. go that far. No, I think um Holly is a very good leader and Holly is so so this is a fun thing. My wife knows Holly from college. They both went to Tennessee together oh, wow. and like it's not it's it's just circumstance. Like I didn't meet my wife through Holly. I just okay. met her through separate people in New York and we yeah. all kind of figured out this connection. <laughs> um, but Holly comes, Holly and my wife both were in the theater program at UT together. Yeah. And I think Holly sort of is the sort of like, Hey, we're putting, you know, <laughs> if you're going to put on a show, you need somebody who's sort of like going to keep things organized and it's sort of like, okay, here's your costume. Here's your part. This is what you got to do. And then like you have room for, the Spencers and Jasons of the world just sort of like do their own thing. But like Meander. Holly, Holly often like some, maybe begrudgingly plays the, di- plays the director role because God damn it. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, and I loved your take on the dad disasters, Rob. Um, hopefully you didn't create it. Rob had to cook a thousand pancakes for a, um... <laughs> yes. So not me. I had to contribute, At contribute in the morning yes. for, um, what, in the 40 I, degree rain. For, for a bunch a, of high school rowers. That was my Saturday morning. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and not what's, even a real competition. Like a, what's the strat? Like, w- talk me through your process here. Well, my process was I, I try to volunteer early in the season to get down yes. of the way. Yep. And I said I would do setup, thinking like, oh, this is easy. I, I'm kind of a new crew parent. My, my son's, it's his second year doing it, but first year that we're really 
volunteering full out like we're supposed right. to. Um, so I was like, oh, I'll set up for the breakfast thinking, you know, I was setting up tables and stuff like that. It was a full on catering operation. I had to set up mm-hmm. at six fifteen in the morning. These two women who like chair the committee are absolute saints. Like they're not professional chefs. One's right. like an accountant, the other one's in healthcare. And we've got this whole truck thing that we need to unload. And I'm setting up three outdoor propane grills and like two or three tents and setting up like the assembly line. And then the kids are making batter. And it's just what temperature was it, Ron? It was like 42 and rainy. God. Um, <laughs> was it know. a varsity competition or was this a preseason match? Oh, this was this was a scrimmage. Yes. <laughs> there are Yes. This was a scrimmage. And so I was like, I will get up there, it'll be some folding tables. Yeah. I was lugging stuff for like an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. and then I had to go, you know, we're filling up these giant things of like water for hot chocolate that are like 10 gallons. Yeah. But I'm doing it one electric kettle at a time. <laughs> just it was just it was nuts. These people are absolute saints and that, that do it every year. So, yeah, I don't know. I, we've got to go. I was telling Todd before we jumped on here that we've got a, I guess it's called a regatta. This is all new to me, the lingo against some hoity toity prep school, boarding school in Delaware this weekend where the evidently where they filmed, I can't, what's the name of Dead Poets Society. Dead Poets Society. Okay. Okay. Yep. I'm getting the And supposedly already. it's like this gorgeous, yeah, it's like this gorgeous campus, but I was informed that we're not allowed on it. The public school parents <laughs> need to go on the other side of the river. So, so I will be setting up some sort of other food station um, in a very far distance from the leafy campus of whatever the school is. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's yeah. all right. Wonderful, Rob. I, I'm so happy to hear that on the pod. <laughs> yes. Um, I can. I mean, if if a scrimmage gets you pancakes, I can only imagine like uh, the omelet bar you'll be setting yeah. up for. Well, you have no idea. <laughs> Last year, the guy who did it, who now is a consultant, he's like, I'm not. I'm not running the committee anymore. Yeah. He was a full on professional chef. So these kids oh, were getting boy. like, yeah, you know, muffins on the bus. And Rob, then, I hope you're ready to man the carving station. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm volunteering. Uh, there's a guy who's a safety coordinator and he's like, okay, all you okay. got to do is just make sure there aren't accidents. He's like, ideally I never do anything. It's the easiest job. Sure. But if stuff ever goes down, I'm in trouble. And I'm like, I can do that. I can do okay. that. Or I can okay. do like the sign up genius guy. Right. With right. like an army of 15 year olds who just burned through 3000 calories. No, no, right. it's no, perfectly no. safe. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I I will be finding the, or I will be the guy that drops off coffee for the coaches. That was my volunteering position last year. Okay, this is easy. I can do that. But these food people are—they're saints. I don't know how they do it. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Well, Well, Ryan, thank you so much, Rob. I don't know if you have anything else. No, I just thank you very much, Ryan. This was really fun, and I think it's really cool what you're doing. And. Um, as as people who really admire all your work, this was a real treat for us. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, both for you guys me don't on. know it, but like all the stuff for all the JMU weird JMU fans out there who, you know, Rob has a little love for LSU. I have a little love for West Virginia. Um, you know, from growing up things, and it's it's just so fun for us to have a show like yours all these years, and you know, have a have a parasocial relationship with. <laughs> <laughs> when you guys went away, well, I was right at the pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was like. I really had to like reevaluate my priorities. <laughs> I was like driving to work and all of a sudden I just put on the, the show and you guys are like doing this like funeral for the show. Yeah. And I'm like, this is what? I can't, 
I don't know. We're all going to have to figure this out over the next 10 years. As yeah. Like, I mean, the good news is you, yeah. we've, we've proven now that you can't kill this stupid show, no matter how hard we try. So <laughs> that's, that's Rob and I's philosophy here. Yeah. Somehow there you go. we've been covering JMU since 2009 and they can't make us go away. There you go. Yeah. We'll be fine. So, yeah, exactly. They can so. ignore the hell out of us, but they can't make us go away. Yeah. <laughs> no, they make up awards so that we like, don't show up at the other thing that they'd rather us not. Yeah. At. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's awesome. No, thank you so much for all this time, Ryan. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. No problem.